and of course the weather is going to be different presumably over there than it will be here and yeah. um, west of Europe you know we might have snow showers or showers or wind or whatever um, what will there be the presumed weather I suppose around that time of the year do you think or it depends on what position I'm in so that's only uh, 13 days after the start so okay. um, the, the plan would be so we go southwest and then when we get to around the 17th parallel we go west ba very basic so um, the first week or a little bit more, depending on the weather, of course, if you can get to before you kind of turn west for want for a better expression, um, could be quite cold, especially the evenings. But then after that, you know, you're, you're pretty far south, so you can expect very hot days kind of bordering on, you know, in the 30s and that. So. Okay, so you were mentioning there about your professional athleticism days and stuff like that and all the huge things you've done already, the massive amount of, you know, um, adventures you've gone on and stuff. But I suppose from your practical education of, you know, being an athlete, professional athlete, what kind of work have you done specifically towards the row as such? Because obviously there's going to be a lot of work on your quads and your thighs and your arms and upper body and stuff like that. Um, have you done any other rowing or why are you doing this? You mentioned motivation as well. Like, are you doing it for charity or for anything like that? So to answer your first question, um, my preparation started about um, 17 months ago now, my physical preparation. Um, it's quite intense, you know, I, I'm in the gym every morning at 6. Uh, I normally spend 3 to 4 hours in the gym every day for various reasons, like that might sound like a lot to some people, but um, you know, it's more because of my profile and what I've put my body through before, so it takes a lot to, it needs a lot of care and attention. Um, to keep progressing, you know, because that's the most important part of my training. I'm not going in just to take a box. I want to keep getting yeah. better and better and better. So, uh, like, for example, my warm-up could take close to an hour and a cool-down then could take 45 minutes. So in between that, you know, I have my training block or whatever. So that would, that's quite intense, and that's ongoing all the time. Um, I do a lot of strength training, you know, so I still lift a lot of weights. You know, I'm talking um, five strength sessions in every nine days. And then I do conditioning sessions on the ergometer and on the um, watt bike or it's like a fan-resistant bike or a, a thing called an Airdyne, which again okay. is a fan-resistant bike, but it has an upper body element. So I, I train with a, a huge high intensity in those because it helps my mental preparation again because you're, you're putting yourself into a, a difficult situation. So your, your mental capacities have been tested. Uh, yeah, motivations are, um, you know, like I talked about before, my passion for all this stuff, but also a passion about like kind of um, giving back a little, you know, I'm yeah. very privileged. My life has been, I've been very lucky with my life, um, you know, and um, I think it's a really important thing if you're in a position to do that, that you try yeah. and do something. So, um, yeah, I'm raising money for three charities pretty close to me. I have... Um, uh, Medicine Sans Frontières is the first one, the Irish branch of uh, that's Doctors Without Borders. They do um, pretty incredible work in about uh, in their humanity. There, sorry, their emergency medical aid they provide on right. the front lines of like natural disasters, um, conflicts, war zones, and you know humanitarian crises. So, if you imagine, basically, the most volatile. Um, uh, unstable uh, areas in the world that's where they are you know they're right on the front lines and they're doctors and nurses and uh, anesthesiologists or from you know your local hospital basically are going out there pro bono putting themselves in incredible um, situations to help others so I admire the selflessness of the organization and the values they 
um, portray and live and take action on. Um, the second one is Madra, which is a Madra is a, um, a volunteer organisation out in uh, Camus for rehoming um, abused and neglected or abandoned uh, dogs. Uh, I'm a dog owner and a dog lover, and I'm obviously yeah. a Galwegian as well. And they do really good work here in our kind of community. Um, so I want to really wanted to help them. And the last one is. Uh, Strong Roots Foundation in uh, Kigali in Rwanda, which is a uh, school for orphans and three children um, that um, a friend of mine um, started up uh, a few years ago. Um, it's actually quite an interesting story. I yeah. was traveling in uh, the Congo and Rwanda, and I wanted to, when I travel, I, I stay, I use a website called couchsurfing.org. Okay. Uh, so it, it helps you connect with locals and um, meet them or stay in their house. And it just gives you a little bit more um, uh, hands-on view of how people live in those areas. And, you know, you get to have a tiny window into what their lives yeah. might be like. So, um, you know, it's a little bit less... Um, uh, it's a little bit more, what would you say, yeah, real, you know. Yeah. So I like to use that. So I met this guy, Blaise Pascal is his name, through the site. And um, we kept in contact when I came back. And right. he was telling me about the school he set up, Strong Roots Foundation. And he was telling me his incredible life story. Basically, um, so he was born into, I, he, he doesn't mind me sharing this. Yeah. So uh, it's you know, what I, I, I would like to share because I think it's important for the overall picture of everything. So anyway, he was born into um, a family of um, two older brothers and his and parents. His mum left the family when he was three, um, just walked out on them. Unfortunately, tragically, um, his father passed away about four years le later, leaving the three as two older brothers and blaze as orphans uh or not orphans but left them um parentless um <clears throat> they managed to survive his older older brother became a bike mechanic they managed to survive together up until 94 and in 94 as a lot of us know the rwanda genocide yeah, happened of course his yeah. two older brothers left the house one day to go to work now i say work they were about 14 and 13 yeah um you know they were just trying to survive and they never came back um leaving uh, blaze as a nine-year-old um uh, on the street you wow know, um helpless and um yeah just um his life completely um destroyed so he um he survived for two years on his own on the streets you know just scrounging out of bins wow and, um he he was befriended by a widower as he calls her and she um she gained his trust and invited him to uh come stay with her and she put him back into education and he excelled and he got an education uh back in school and he um graduated with a certain languages when he was 18. So uh yeah a few years later he traveled to Uganda and got a job there teaching in a school um and he came back to Kigali and on, I think I said on his it was his birthday anyway I'm not sure what age he was he, he started up Strong Roots Foundation to stop it happening they stop what happened to him happening to other kids who were you know left without their parents or their family after the genocide